as our little ones go down to Children's Church, open your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Turning there, let me ask you a question. What, what has to happen in a relationship for you to trust someone with your life? This last week, I was talking to a couple of fellows here from our church that had served in the military. I was asking them about why things went so well for them and their military days and why things go so well for our current military. It's like, you know, what's the secret sauce? And a lot of it had to do with the trust that they had between their, their team, their squad, their, their platoon, their company, that they worked together as a unit. They trusted each other. They trusted each other with their lives. Are there people you wouldn't trust with your life? A lot of names might come to mind. The kid in school that always pranked you, probably not going to trust him. The weird uncle that always did funny things. Like He's funny to be around, but I don't know if I would let him be the one holding the keys to my life or making these big decisions. We say phrases like, I couldn't trust you as far as I could throw you. I don't know where that came from. Somebody might be able to find that out later. I don't know why we're throwing the person you don't trust. Maybe because you don't trust them, but you're throwing them. And obviously, as far as I throw you, I can't trust you that far. It's like, why don't, just don't even pick them up then. Save yourself the energy. But it's that sense of, I don't trust you. I can't trust you as far as I could throw you. And I'm not throwing you. So obviously, you're right. maybe that's what it means. And you're right here, so I'm not trusting you. Perhaps you've heard that trust takes years to build. It takes seconds to break and forever to repair. So to understand this idea of trust, and let's think just through our Bible, think through the people of Israel. Should God trust them? Should he trust you? Now flip that. Should the people of Israel have trusted God? Should we trust him today? If we're talking about it takes years to build, how has God shown his amazing ability to you year after year, second after second? What has he done to break that trust with you? We're the ones that are in need of repair in that sense. We should be the ones having to spend all this time repairing, but going, man, the Lord is so great. And that's what this psalm is, Psalm 23. It's in book number one. So we've been looking at the five different books of the psalm. It is a psalm of trust. And trust is huge. And today we will talk about Psalm 23, and we are to trust God. And David, the author of Psalm 23, will show us how we can do that and the results that follow. Before we get into it, we've been doing so far, our cadets, for those that are newer here, we, throughout our summer psalms, we've been actually singing these. So we're going to sing today Psalm 23. And you may be saying, well, I've never sung this psalm before. Join, join the crowd. I don't think most of our church has. Probably, maybe only one has, and I'm going to guess that's Vanessa Taylor because this is a Scottish, this is from the Scottish Psalter from the 1600s. Not that she's from the 1600s. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. Uh, no, it's from the Scottish Psalter, so I'm assuming that it was there. And it's to the tune of Amazing Grace. So we'll sing here Psalm 23. To the tune of Amazing Grace. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie 
verse 6 with me, acapella. Goodness and mercy all my life shall surely follow me. And in God's house forevermore my dwelling place shall be. Amen. Good singing. Let's read our psalm today. Open your Bibles again to Psalm 23. Let's read through this familiar text. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now before we get into the psalm, let me offer a warning. If you've been in church for any length of time, you have heard somebody speak on the psalm, you have heard somebody quote this psalm, you have somebody refer to this psalm, you have somebody give you this psalm as a psalm of encouragement or advice. If not, if this is your first time hearing the psalm, buckle up, because it's fantastic. But it's easy for those of us that have heard it so often for it to become old. To forget the importance of it. There are a plethora of truths that we can pull from this and pastors, professors, teachers have been pulling out truths from this text for millennia. So I want to boil down three things. So out of all that you've ever learned, I'm just asking you today for you right now, where, where you're sitting. We're going to look at three truths. I'm going to ask you to latch on to one. I'm going to pull out three. There's plenty. We're going to miss a lot. But I'm going to focus on three. I'm going to ask you to latch on to one. So as best you can, if you've heard this psalm a bunch, to try to sit back and go, all right, what does, what does my heart need today? From this psalm. So let's look at our psalm here in Psalm 23. First, we see number one, first truth trust God to take care of all your needs. You are to trust God to take care of all your needs. It says in the very first verse, a psalm of David The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. He takes care of all of our needs. I think one translation says, I have what I need. Another, I will lack for. I will not lack for anything, or I have all that I need, a different translation says. In Philippians 4.19, Paul wrote that my God shall supply every need of yours according to the riches in Christ Jesus. We have all in Jesus, our shepherd. We trust him because he takes care of all of our needs. He does not take care of all of our wants. You have a lot of wants. I have a lot of wants. He promises to take care of our needs. And when we are so filled by our shepherd, we realize, what else do I want? When I have the greatest good, why would I want something lesser? Why would I want trash 
when I have treasure. In the Lord's Prayer, we to ask God to give us our daily bread. Meaning we're to trust Him again for our daily needs. Lord, give me today what I need. Christian, is that you? You ask, Lord, help me to make it through today. Be what I need today. Lord, do that for me now. So it's easy for us that are well-to-do, because we are well-to-do. There's children the other side of the globe that have no place to sleep tonight. This verse takes on a different meaning. When they're not sure where they're going to wake up tomorrow, if something might have to them, happen to them while they sleep, will they find food? Might they have to take it by force, trying to fight for their life? You have some missionary telling them God will take care of all your need while that missionary is getting everything paid for. Sometimes we forget we're supposed to trust him for our every need. For our daily bread. God, be what I need today. Be what I need today. The phrase in verse 2, he says, The Lord will see, Lord, take care of our physical needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, the phrase, he makes me lie down, it's not this sense of like the sheep would rather go off and play and have fun. And the shepherd's just like forcing them to the ground. He's like, now stay there. So God is not the no fun police. Sometimes when, you're, when I was a youth pastor, sometimes our teenagers or the college students I was working with, they kind of felt like, man, God's the no fun police. No, that's not the case. God wants you to have ultimate fun, ultimate joy that has no regrets. There is fun like that. There is fun without regrets. God has paved a way for you to do it. And there's a lot of things you can do with regrets. Choose the one without regrets. Follow him. But God's not the no fun police. He's not forcing them, hey, you must stay here now. And it says, he makes me lie down. He, so what does that mean then? One, ra- one writer said that the shepherd is seeking out an environment in which the sheep may thrive. Christian, trust God to put you in a place where you will thrive. If you're a sheep, where do you want to be? In green pastures? Next to still waters? Put me there. Put me in a place where I can bask in the sun? Food is all around. Water's right there. My shepherd's with me. Oh, I'm good here. God puts you in a place where you thrive. In verse 4, it does not mean, we'll see in verse 4, it does not mean that there's no hardship that comes your way. Just by giving your life to Christ doesn't mean there's no hardship. Ask the cadets if they've ever endured hardship. Anybody? No, don't raise your hand. It'll cost you push-ups later on. doesn't mean there's no hardship in life. This was written by David, who endured plenty of hardship as he was growing up. But regardless of your circumstance and situation, your shepherd has put you in a place where you can, by his grace, by his strength, where you can thrive. He takes care of all your physical needs. He puts you in a place to thrive. And then in verse 3, we read, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Having to take care of your physical, mental, emotional needs, he now turns to your spiritual needs. Your, your shepherd spiritually can restore you. When you're at the bottom of the barrel, when you're not sure if you can go on one more day, go to the restorative shepherd. 
who can refresh you and give you life. In the video game world, this might be seen as a health pack, or, or back in the olden days with the Nintendo. Do you guys remember, those of us that played Nintendo, when Mario got shrunk down, and then he was a little tiny person, he would find a mushroom for whatever reason that would make him restore back to his normal size again? In a small picture, please don't, I just ruined some of you now, you're going to be playing Mario the rest of the day, sorry. But that sets up, he restores us. He is, as we saw last week, the life giver. You come to him. He gave you life. Who better to restore than this shepherd? He restores our soul. He does more than this. It says he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. God leads you on the right path. He puts you in the right ruts. You ever been on a track and it's like there's a rut here? putting your wheels in the right ruts. This is the path to go on. Now, he can't force you. To, he's not going to force you to stay there. But this is the path, the path of righteousness. Stay here. Follow this yellow brick road. Follow it. He puts you in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Why would he do this? Why would your shepherd be your shepherd personally? Why would he make sure that you have no want? Why would he put you in a place where you can thrive? Why would God put you on the right path, put your wheels in the right track? This is where you're supposed to go. This is how you're supposed to live. Why would he do that? He does it at the end of verse 4, for his name's sake, for his glory, for his honor. Listen, worldwide it's known, sheep are not the brightest colors in the box. They're not the sharpest tools in the shed. They're dumb. Right? They're dumb sheep. If you watch sheep, you know they're not not real sharp. A long time ago, I remember as a kid, we watched a movie called Babe. Anybody ever seen the movie Babe? And there's this little pig that walks around and leads sheep. The point being, one, you're like going, this is ridiculous. Why would a pig need to lead sheep? But the point being, sheep still have to be led. And out of all things to lead them, it's a pig. If it's not a pig, it's a dog. They have to be led because in and of themselves, they will make a diabolical choice for their life. They're going to choose the worst path, going off by themselves. That's why the shepherd has to leave the 99 to find the one because it's like, why would you leave the fold? Why did you do that? Don't go out the gate. Why did you do that? Ask the sheep. They don't know. They saw grass. Grass. No, shepherd. Grass. We think the grass is greener out there. But he does it for his own name's sake. So when sheep are well fed, when sheep are well watered, when they're well rested, when they're secure and they're safe, and you bring them to that 4-H contest, and they shine and they shimmer and they hand out the awards, who do they give the award to? The shepherd. You're the one that took care of the sheep. Congratulations. Look what you've done. They get the glory. Friend, Christian, God can get glory through you. You can bring his name glory by the way you live. How should I live? Simply trust him. Trust him. 
are my shepherd. You take care of all my needs. You put me in a place to thrive. You put me in the right path. Help me trust you as I ought. If you would simply trust him to meet your daily needs, to provide your daily bread, God can be glorified through you. Praise the Lord. Are you trusting him in this way? Will you by faith say, I will trust God to meet my needs? Secondly, trust God to help you through dark times. Look at verse number four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. As you saw last week, Psalm 42, there are certain, certainly lows to this life. There are times where things seem at their, their worst. David, the author of this psalm, knew that. David has been literally hunted by entire armies. Literally hunted. So he understands this idea of being in a valley... <laughs> and wondering if he's going to make it through. Hiding in in, in crooks and and crags and trying to get around and trying to stay out of the way. The king he committed his life to serve tried to personally kill him on a number of times. Obviously Saul was not a great soldier, did not throw a weaver's beam or spear. Couldn't pull it off. But he's going, "What, what, what do I have to do here? I'm faithfully serving, doing the right thing, and this guy's trying to kill me. Not only is he personally trying to kill me, he sends the entire army after me. David, do you know Lowe's? Absolutely. But even though he's in that valley, death is on the march coming after him. What does he say? I will fear no evil. He could say that with God as his shepherd, he has nothing to fear. Strolling through a dark alley, people are hunting for your life, and, and you're not afraid? So he's just oblivious? Does he find himself to be, does he think he's a superhero, and the stuff's just going to, you know, the spirit's just going to bounce off him? What, what does he think here? How's it possible? David responds, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What's his reasoning for no fear? My shepherd and my God is with me now. He's with me now. He's with me. In, in college, there was this little runt of a dude on our basketball team who just ran his mouth non, nonstop. Rat, 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 yap, 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 yap. Just ran his mouth. And, and eventually, you would think, in, in, a, in a college setting, in the dorms, or on a team, there eventually comes a, a, a reckoning where somebody recognizes, we, okay, now it's time for you to, to prop back in the proper order. You need to sit down, and something usually happens. For guys, usually it means somebody just pops in one, and we're all good. We all move on. Okay, I'm not saying that's the right way to handle things. Kids do not do that. But in this scenario, that's typically what would happen. Just saying, just guessing. So this never happened to this kid. Why not? Because one of the biggest guys on campus was his best friend, who rarely spoke, but found the little runt man very amusing. So he could rat, 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 and the guy behind him, big guy, would stand back there and just laugh. And he knew he couldn't do anything. Because if I 
you you bought him one, you take take him out, you gotta deal with folks of the clown behind him that's on steroids. And so it's like I, you gotta make a choice here. Unfortunately for the little guy, the big guy got kicked out of school. <laughs> the reckoning came. <laughs> the point being, he did not have to fear while steroid man was behind him. Christian, you, you have something more than, than somebody who has your stick. You have something more than a wingman. You have something more than this power guy behind you. The creator of the entire universe says, I am yours and you are mine. I will be your savior. I will be your redeemer. I will be your shepherd. I will be your provider. I will be your caretaker. I am with you now and forevermore. When I walk through that valley, I don't have to fear. the guns on that show they're omnipresent and they're omnipotent they're everywhere and they're all powerful I don't have to fear does not mean you will not endure does not mean you don't have to go through hard times but we know he will be with us like he was with the disciples on the ship he's with us in the storm he's the one that can say peace to the storm but like Jesus had no fear in the bottom of the boat because he knew who he was. So we too ought to remember who we have on our side. He says, I am with you. David says, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, what do you say at the end? They comfort me. I'm walking through this valley and I got people trying to hunt me down for life. But not only, not only am I not afraid, I'm comforted. By his rod and his staff? The tools to whack people with, that comforts you? Well, those aren't for me. He's already dealt with my sin through Jesus. My punishment's already been taken care of by my Savior. Those are for the enemy. His rod and staff, they comfort me. Christian, the creator of the world, the sovereign Lord of glory is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So wherever you are in your life right now, if it's at the lowest point, will you by faith believe God is with me now? Now he's with you, even where you are at. Trust your shepherd to comfort you even in the darkest hour. Believe by faith he's with you now. Lastly, third, trust God to lovingly pursue you until you get home. Verse five, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In verse six, we see God's mercy and goodness are on pursuit. Instead of David being pursued by his enemies, he's being pursued by God's grace, his love, his mercy. And we'll chat about this in a little bit. But David m mentions something else in verse five, that God's working also in another way. Everything kind of stops. He's walking through this valley. He realizes, I don't have to fear because I have God. He's with me. He's comforting me through this process. And th then, you, then you have a, a pause and, and now a buffet. 
I, I thought we were in wartime. I, I thought I was being hunted. Why are you spreading a feast? And the feast is not being spread for the last meal before you die. The feast is being spread for everybody to see. So, I mean, imagine here's this shepherd. He lays down this feast for his little sheep, and you got wolves all around. But they don't have teeth. They don't have claws. They've been subdued, put under his feet. They're there. And they watch as God pours his unceasing love on you. Let me show you to what I do for my sheep. Man, I love it. Even in your lowest times, I will be with you. Even those darkest hours, I will, you don't have to fear. I'll carry you through. And those enemies that have hunted you and haunt you, they will know in the end. You are mine as I lay out this buffet before them and say, this is my child. His preparing the table in the presence of his enemies, he, he then anoints his head with oil and your cup overflows. So we have, by his goodness and mercy, he subdues the enemies, provides the feast, he anoints the head, this, this sense of honor and blessing. His provision for you is like a cup that's just bubbling over. Just can, there's no end to it. It just keeps coming. Let's go back to that pursuit. Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness, that's goodness and mercy follow me. The word mercy, depends on your translation, someone may have love. You can translate this word either way and still be faithful. His mercy, his love. Christian verse 3, we see God leads us on this path of righteousness. Leads us on this path. While, while we're on the path, what should follow closely behind but God's mercy and goodness, his love, his goodness. To the point where if you're on the march, like we saw some cadets today who were getting hustled across the road, if you stop quick, somebody's going to run into you. But you keep, keep going. Christian, if you stop real quick on your path, you're going to get bumped by God's goodness and his mercy. Just, they're on pursuit. God has sent his goodness after you. His love, his mercy, go get them. Go get them. They're on pursuit after you. So when will that stop? When will God's goodness and his mercy, when will it stop? When, when, I, when I blow it, when I, when I mess up, or, you know, I just, I give up, maybe it'll stop then. No, it doesn't stop then. David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God's sending his goodness and mercy to pursue you. It will end. It'll end when your life ends. But as we know, Christian, that when you wait, that when you wait to be absent from this body, to be present with the Lord, Christian, when you wait, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Home, finally home. And then at that point, you don't have to worry about God's goodness and mercy pursuing you because it's there. It's tangible. You bask in his goodness. You revel in his mercy. And love. it's there. You feel it. You see it. You know it for all 
eternity. This is your shepherd. Why would God do all this for you? Why is this so great? It's because you've been given access as his child, as his sheep, not just to the kingdom, not just to the palace, not just to the throne room, but to the king himself. That's my king. That's my shepherd. That's my God. I can trust him. Christian, hold on. Trust God to lovingly pursue you until he brings you home. That's what it's all to mean for us today. For those of you here that maybe you're saying, I, I don't know that I'm a Christian. I, I, I don't know what it means to be saved. I, I, I don't know anything about this, Pastor. Let me ask you a question. Have you given your life to Jesus, the shepherd of your soul? In our scripture reading today, Pastor Ethan read in 1 John 10, sorry, in John 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Friend, Jesus is the shepherd that David wrote about. The Lord is my shepherd. So we read in John 10, 15, that the shepherd came to lay down his life for the sheep. Jesus gave his life for you. We know earlier from John chapter 3 that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He died for you. He rose for you. He defeated sin, death, and hell. He ascended on high after rising from the dead. And he still lives today to intercede on behalf of his own. Will you trust him with your life? You can do so today. You, we walk through these Often the ABCs, would you A, admit that you and I, that we are sinners, believe, letter B, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and letter C, call. Whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you trust him today? If you have questions how you can do that, see myself, see a Christian friend you came with, we'd love to walk you through that process. Second, for those of you here that claim to know Jesus as your Savior, let me ask you a couple questions. First, are you, are you trusting God for your daily needs your daily bread can you honestly say when i wake up every morning i trust him for everything i have christian put god in his rightful place he is the creator you are the created he is the shepherd you are the sheep so wake up tomorrow in that fold Look up to your shepherd and say, put me in a place that by your strength and grace, I can thrive and bring you much joy. Trust God for your daily needs. Trust him today. Secondly, Christian, by faith, if you look at verse four and, and perhaps you're walking in the valley, Christian, by faith, do you believe that God is with you right now? He's with you right now. Believe this truth that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. By faith, believe that God is with you and he can, even in this dark hour, he can bring you comfort. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, listen to what Paul writes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions. Christian, by faith, believe and know that God is with you and can even bring in these troubled waters, can bring peace calm and comfort 
your life right now. Lastly, how thankful are you? No matter how often we go off those paths of righteousness, we go off Lake Dorothy, the yellow brick road. Aren't you thankful in how, how many times we go off that his goodness and his mercy, his love pursue us like a hound of grace, bringing us back. And he's going to keep doing it, bringing you back and bringing you back until he finally gets you what a shepherd. How thankful are you for this shepherd that we have? Let's spend this next few moments. Let's take 30 seconds. Let's pray and ask the Lord to work in our hearts. We'll sing a song here. We do have a quick uh, vote on membership. We have three people like to bring before you. But first, let's quiet our hearts and ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? Is there something you'd have me change? Is there something I need to firmly believe? pray, Jesus, our great shepherd, the shepherd of our souls, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Father of mercies, we thank you that your mercy pursues us day after day. Holy Spirit, the great comforter. We ask you to help those in a dark hour. Well, for those that are here that may not know you as their Savior, they, they do not know that you are the good shepherd. Perhaps today is the first time they learn that you've laid down your life for the sheep. May today be the day of salvation for them. And for us here that know you as Lord and Savior, would you help us to trust you for our daily needs? Lord, help me. Of all people here, help me to trust you for my needs. And for those that are walking, may they feel like they're in sheer darkness. There is no light at the end of the tunnel for them. And would you help them to know that you are with them now? And may the God of peace grant them comfort that goes beyond their own understanding. Lastly, Father, we thank you thank you, Son, and we thank you, Spirit, for pursuing us. Lord, we confess we go off the track. We go off the path of righteousness day after day. But thank you for pursuing us in love. Lord, we cry out, Maranatha, we look forward to that day where we get to see you face to face. And we are finally home. Till then, help us to trust you as we walk. 